Praise God. Let's open our Bibles here this morning. Maybe you guys are ready for the Word of God. Amen. Thank you, musicians, platform workers, ushers. We appreciate your ministry this morning. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29. Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 11 and 12, a very famous um, scripture. Most of us, we know it tonight or this morning. I want to um, bring a message that I believe is in time for us in due season. So hopefully it can be a blessing um, to every single one of us. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. There is a 48-year-old man. His name is Thomas Graham. He built a house in Texas. I believe it was in West Texas. Uh, pretty much by himself. And although that job alone isn't remarkable, just imagine trying to put up a three-bedroom, two-bath ranch without any blueprints and doing it in total darkness. Thomas says he started dreaming of this shortly after the day he went blind at the age of 18 years old. Thomas Graham was able to build his home being completely blind. Although there was some Obviously, you can see how there's some complications there. Um, you can read the article on your own. You can look him up. Thomas Graham is actually pretty comical at times. He says he's fallen off of the house before. Uh, there's times where he couldn't find tools, uh, needed help from other people. But he practically did it. But the point that I want to make this morning, which I thought was incredible, was that he says he dreamt of this of building his own home before he went blind. This man lost his ability to see yet was still able to build because of the vision that he had. In our text, we're going to read, we will read God's prophetic promise to his people in a dark time. And the goal was for them to build, not on what they were going through right now, but to build on the vision that God had for them in the future. Jeremiah 29, verses 11 and 12 he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come pray to me, and I will hear you. I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled Building with Vision. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for this moment that you've given us. God, I do not come in my talents or my abilities, Lord, but I hide behind your cross. God, and I pray that it will be your spirit, God, moving upon us, that you will speak to us, God. Taylor, make this service, this sermon for each and every single one of us. God, that we will leave this place changed, God, into the people, God, you want us to be. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said this morning, amen. I want to start off with my first thought, and that is a letter to the exiles. The book of Jeremiah is a very interesting one from a prophet that's known as a weeping prophet. But if you've studied his literature, he's not always coming with doom and gloom. But chapter 29 is probably one of the more famous uh, chapters that Jeremiah wrote. It's known as Jeremiah's letter to the exiles. Jeremiah 29.1 says, These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people when Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. 
The famous verse that we read in verse 11, for I know the plans. I know you've read it in the Bible. I know you've probably read it on frames, maybe a decal that's been on a wall. You might have even seen a bumper sticker with for I know the plans. It's a famous verse, but it's an oath, a vow that God made with his people. It was God's way of communicating with his people. The context of our text is God, is the God, communicating with a people suffering the consequences and rebellion against him. No doubt you read it in verse 1. These are the words as a letter to the exiles, the people of God, were living through a time where they were separated from God, separated from the promised land that was given to them, uh, be, because of their idolatry, because of their rebellion, it is literally they're living the consequences of their actions. Yet we see that God looks upon a people who is suffering the consequences and says, for I know the plans that I have for you. The revelation we must grasp here is that while the people were dealing with their present circumstance, God is speaking about their future. And that is an incredible thought to understand. Here you are today, January the 7th, Sunday morning in the house of God. And no doubt God will deal with us about today. Who we are today, the actions, the decisions we have done over the years and where we're at today. But he's also speaking to us about what he sees in us tomorrow. And here lies the challenge in life. Can we hear God's vision for our life while going through hell? Can we hear God's promise while going through the difficulties of life? See, God speaks to us today about our tomorrow. And the challenge is to build on what he has decreed for us. The challenge in life is not so much of what to do while you're going through things. No doubt that's a different sermon, how you react, how you process life. But the challenge also is, can we build on the words that God has spoken to us about tomorrow? See, we must have the ability to build through a prophetic vision. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Some translation says the word revelation. When there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. This word prophetic vision, this phrase comes from a Hebrew word, which is azan, which means revelation or even divine insight. The ability to know something that comes from God. It's literally speaking about the ability to see beyond the present. I don't doubt it here this morning. There are people here today, your life is not where you want it to be. You've made some decisions, you've made some, um, some choices, and that's created consequences that, you live, that you're living through. And I know we could probably link it back to all kinds of different violations in people, but the reality is, is that we have to live with what we have, with the decisions we have done or made 
And that becomes difficult at times. See, the challenge is, can we see that God still has a plan? Can we see that God still has a prophetic vision for us? When we don't have a vision for our future, then it becomes easy to stray away. It becomes easy to stray away in disobedience, easy to just fall into rebellion. And this is how we begin to fall into idolatry. When we don't have a vision for our future, when we don't know what God has said about us, we begin to trade away what God has for us. Simply because we just don't have vision. See, what God is doing through the prophet Jeremiah is what we would call casting vision. He is giving his people a sense of hope. He does this by expressing his sovereignty, his benevolence. He does it by expressing his commitment to his people. God, God is telling Israel, I will visit you in mercy, grace, and in my perfect timing. He has given them something they can run to. Here it is, these people. They're used to having their land. They're used to having the success and the blessing of God. And no doubt, as you study, you get to see all the decisions they made and they're living the consequences. And now they're suffering under the rule of Babylon. Of Babylon. They're in Babylonian captivity. They are in a foreign land with foreign gods around them. They have to do life in a foreign place. And God looks at them and says, yes, it's because of what you've done. But remember, I have plans, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And that is my declaration to you here this morning, beloved. You're here in this place. You might be going through marital problems you might be struggling between your husband, your wife, maybe here you have financial problems, you're struggling, whatever the case is, and no doubt it might be not just a storm from, because how I many of you guys know we go through trials and tribulations. Sometimes it is the strategy of hell, but sometimes it's our own doing. If it's our own doing, or if it's an attack from hell, God looks at your life this morning and he says, for I know the plans that I have for you. I want to move on to my second thought, and that is pursuing the future. I wonder this morning, if there's anybody here, you've seen the movie, the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay? <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies. I, I grew up watching it. I watched it in high school. Um, actually, in middle school, my, my band teacher played it. And Don't ask me why she decided to play that at school, but she did <laughs> Our walk with God is like that 61 Ferrari that whenever they take it on a spin, if you remember the movie, they go on, Ferris Bueller looks at his friend, and he's like, let's take out this car, and, and the guy's like, no, we can't. He goes, listen, the miles, we'll just put it in reverse, and the odometer's going to go backwards. <laughs> and then they go, they take the spin, they take their, their wild day, then they bring it back, and they put it on reverse, and nothing happens. As a matter of fact, if you remember the movie, he goes on this, um, this tantrum, and he pushes the car, and it completely just falls off. Not part of the illustration, but that's just me remembering the movie, okay? But our walk with God is like this 
like this car, or at least like every modern-day odometer. The odometer only goes forward. I hate to tell you this morning, but you're only getting older. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm sorry. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but we're just getting older. And if you try to go in reverse, that does not return the mileage on your life. <laughs> As a matter of fact, modern odometers, if you go in reverse, it'll actually go forward. It, it, it catches on <laughs> that, you're go, that you're going backwards. Listen, destiny is only achieved when we can pursue the future. And all I'm telling you this morning is might as well go forward. Might as well go forward and pursue. If you belong to God, our future is good news for us. And what an incredible text that God here is looking at a rebellious people who have turned their back on God. This is the reason why they're in Babylon. And God says, I have plans for you. I have plans for you. That's so incredible to me. That God can look at us and the mess that we've created. It's like a father or like a mom that looks at his kid that just made a mess with the food that, that he cured. My, 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 my toddler, Santiago, he would give him food and he makes a mess. I mean, there's food in his hair, there's food in his ears. He, if, you, if, you, if you leave him, he'll grab his hands and he'll start smacking the food and he does all this. My wife and I, we, don't, we look at him and we're like, what in the world? But we never look at him and say, I don't love you anymore. As a matter of fact, we look at them and say, we have plans for you. Some of those plans might require some whoopings. <laughs> but we have plans. That's exactly the spirit that God has with Israel at this moment. Here it is, these, these people, they're, they're suffering the consequences. God says, I know the plans. I know the plans. You're going through it right now, but I have plans. Turn to your neighbor, tell him, I have plans. That's what God is saying to us. I have plans for you. Our text is God casting a vision upon his people. Vision is the way that God helps us to keep fighting. It's the way he helps us to press on for the greater that he has for us. It's equivalent to a boxer corner that just has gotten beaten up, maybe had a rough round, and he's in a corner, has no clue where he's at, but the coach, the corner man, he's telling him, he's like, listen, you won that round. We got another one. Just let's, 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 let's move on. Or you lost that round. We got to get the next one. This is, this is exactly what God is doing. He's given them hope. He's given them a future. He says, listen, I have plans for you. And it has to do with your future. Read it with me one more time. Jeremiah 29, 11, 12. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. He says, I'm giving you a future. I know you're going through it. I know life is hard. I know life is difficult. I can see the tears you cry every night. I can see the struggles. I see the fighting that happens. I see the mind battles. It's not going to be forever. Because I have plans for you. 
He says, and those plans, he says, then you will call upon me. It's the way he helps us to keep fighting. And the challenge that we have today is submitting to the vision. Submitting to the vision and say, I want to pursue the future that God has for me. See, vision motivates us to pursue God. Vision provides for us direction and even a sense of purpose. I believe this is why God tells the prophet Habakkuk to make it plain for people. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse, chapter two, verse 2 says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. He says, if you make it plain, and they understand it, they're going to run. It's incredible how God links someone's ability to run in life to knowing the vision. See, show me a person that's not running in the kingdom of God. And I'll show you a person that lacks vision. Somebody that's lost vision. Show me a person who's unstable. And I'll show you somebody who has no vision. See, no vision makes people live in the extremes. Either they're, not, either they're running all wild or they're not doing anything. This is why as a fellowship we have conferences. We gather together, we go to Prescott Conference or we go to Colleen Conference, our mother church. We come together and it really is a refining of vision. For some of us, those who that, that are going new, like new ones, new visitors, they'll go to conference and they'll get to see the vision at a bigger scope. They'll get to see all the churches. I'm going to Prescott on Monday and there's hundreds of pastors that are doing the same thing that we're doing here this morning. They do the same thing on Saturdays when we go and we, we evangelize the Bible studies, the, the concert scenes and all the different things. It's a vision. It's a pattern. We go, we refine it, and then go back to our cities, and we run. See, Jeremiah's letter was God giving his people a second win to keep seeking him. Consider what he says after he sets the promise. Jeremiah 29, verses 12 through 14. He says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore you fortunes, your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. What an incredible word. So I have plans. Say it with me, I have plans. God says, I have plans. I know you're in exile. I know you're living in Babylon, but I have plans. So the challenge we have this morning, church, is that can we submit to the plans that God has for us? And I know some of you guys, you answer right now, say yes, as long as you tell me what they are. But that's the catch, isn't it? God didn't say, I have the plans and then went on to describe all the plans he has. Saying, trust me, I have plans. 
And then we're, it's, it's just human nature. You know, we, it, it's hard to trust. Some of you guys here, the famous last words your friend had was, trust me. You ever had those moments? <laughs> trust me. And then life happened. <laughs> God says, I have plans. Another benefit to having vision is the ability to minimize the power of the threats. We all, every single person in this place, you have threats against your life. Might be physical ones, personal ones. There's people maybe envious, don't like you. Obviously, the ill will of human beings. We have a common threat as the church, as the people of God. There's a hell, there's Satan that's against the work that God is trying to do in us and through us. But when we have vision, that minimizes the power of those threats. See, vision protects your mind and heart. You're able to look at yourself in comparison to what God says he has for you. I wonder after this word, how many times the people of Israel looked at each other and they started stressing out. Man, it's been, it's, it's been nine years and we're still here and man, it's hard and they're struggling and they're talking about their finances and they're talking about all the difficulties. And there was one brave guy that remembered Bible because he reads his Bible do we have any people that read their Bibles here this morning? He remembered that God said, I have plans. So he raised his hand. He's like, bro, I, listen, I get it, sis, but God has plans. It helps you. It keeps your mind protected. You compare yourself to what God said and not what people say, not what religion has to say, not what the world has to say, but what God has to say. Now all of life is filtered through this vision that God gave. Now all of life is filtered through Jeremiah 29. God, you have plans for me. And, 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 they, and they mean well for me. And it is for a future and it is for hope. You're not up there hoping that I'm going to trip and fall to discipline me. You're not up there just like this, this horrible boss that just wants to see me fail. You are up there and you have plans for me that are good for me. Gives you a marker in the future. See, having vision, prophetic vision, is our glimpse of what God has for us. We're not in, our, in the future. As much as you want it to be, the reality is that we're here today and we have to deal with today. Matter of fact, Jesus teaches us, don't, don't worry about tomorrow. But it's this full-out trust, saying, God, I know you have plans. See, when you know what's next, or at least you know who knows what's next, there's no need to panic. We can run with all of our heart. And this is where we find the action that we need to take with God's word. He reveals to us that he has plans and the intentions he has of, um, with us for our future. And our action, our challenge this morning is to sell out and pursue him. So go all in, put all your chips in. Say, God, I bet on you. There are those here this morning, you're on the fence. You're on the fence, you don't know if you're going to serve God or not. 
There are others you're willing to serve God, but you're, you're putting these conditions and you're listening, yeah, I'll serve God, but my way. My word for you today is God has given us a promise of his plans for us. You can fully surrender and trust them. You can surrender to God. Can I remind you this morning, you can surrender to God. The Bible teaches us God is not a man to lie. And I know that's difficult to do, especially when we come and we have these past violations. Maybe it's a father who failed his promise, failed his duty. Maybe it's a, it's a husband, you've gone through a divorce and you've relationship failures and we got to come now and we have to trust another relationship. We have to trust that, we have to trust that God's going to save us. Listen, he's not a man to lie. When he says, I have plans, he has plans. He knows what he's going to do with your life. I know we created this mess, but God says, I have a solution for it. Romans 8, 28 says, for those who love God, he says, I'll make it work. I will make it work for them. I will make it work for their good. There's no need to panic. You can surrender today. And vision helps you to completely submit today so that you can see your tomorrow. I'm going to close with my third point, and I actually want to spend some time here. And that is building for the future through vision. Our, the illustration that I used was a man who built his whole, his whole home without the ability to see. The article says he will put his hands out and he will find out where he was at, and eventually he was able to learn at least a pattern or a strategy for himself, learn where he put the tools and had the ability to build his home simply through vision. Contractors will come and say, do you have the blueprints? And he goes, no, they're in my head. He goes, I can just tell you where I want things. I can tell you where, where things need to get built. It's like, I don't really have a, a blueprint. The challenge today is not so much can we quote what God has said about us. About us. Jeremiah 29, 11 is probably one of the most quotable scriptures in the world. For I know the plans that I have for you. You probably have a mug in your pantry or in your, <laughs> in your kitchen that says Jeremiah 29, 11. But the challenge is not can we quote it from memory. The challenge is can we build with that in mind. Can we build knowing that God has plans for us? And this was the challenge, the overall challenge that God has given Israel. He says, I know this is a huge setback, but you have a decision to make. And that is, can you build knowing that I have plans for you? Do we just dwell in the present state of living or do we build towards something greater? See, if we can't see what God sees, then we will settle with what only our eyes see. We'll just be content with what you have. The challenge we have as a church is to build for the greater that God has for us. And this will require us to grow where we are at. Everybody in this place, we are required to grow. 
We all got to grow. We haven't made it yet. I preached a sermon a few months ago. It's called Never Arrive. And the whole thought is that we have to understand we will never arrive. We're going to keep going. And we got to continue to grow. we got to continue to learn. Consider what God tells Israel in instructions of what they should do in Babylon. So again, the context, right? These people now have been, have been ripped from their promised land and put in Babylon. And God tells them this, Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 10. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. It's an incredible word. Multiply and do not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city where I sent you into exile. And pray for the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. But thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your um, diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I do not send them, declares the Lord. But thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed from Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Then verse 11 comes. For I know the plans that I have for you. What an incredible, incredible part of Scripture. He says, you live in this present state of consequence, of darkness and separation from me. But you need to build. He says, you need to grow. As a matter of fact, multiply. Just don't decrease. And I wonder how many people here, you can find yourself the way Israel has found themselves. You live in Babylon. Got darkness around you. It's been hard. Weeks, months, years. It's been hard. And you hear the scriptures. You hear the, the encouraging words, brothers, sisters, sermons. You hear them. But the reality is you're not building. The challenge is not to just to regurgitate the word of God, but to build on it. God had their redemption already. This is the all-knowing God, the all-powerful God, omnipotent, omniscient. He can be anywhere. He's in there today, but he's also talking about their tomorrow. Here they are, they are in discipline, in God is already sketching for them the way out. This is the will of God. The best way I can describe the will of God is this, at least the will of God for our lives. Just think about driving through Houston. I know you got stressed just by saying that, but driving through Houston, right? If we're heading to church, how about that? That makes it easier, right? We're heading to church and we have to get on, on the freeway then church is my intended goal and the freeway is my route. But if the freeway is backed up due to construction or an accident, the backup interferes with me reaching my goal. But that's no problem 
I can exit the freeway and take an alternate route. It may take longer, and if you go through Spring Branch, it might be bumpier, but I can still take the alternate route to get me to the goal. The accident may have interfered with the preferred route, but it does not interfere with the goal. And even if I get blocked on my alternate route, I still yet have another route that takes me to the same place. Listen to me, God's will for our lives is the same way. He will always reach that goal. If human beings or the devil himself creates a block in God's plan, God is never limited to one highway. He's not limited to just one route. He says, I'll take anything and I'll make it work for your good. That's good news for us. That means that people can't stop the will of God in our life. That means that nothing, nothing in this world can separate us from God. But even further, the attitude that God wants from his people is that he wants us to build. My question to you is, what are you building? And you might be thinking to yourself, well, I mean, I'm, I'm going through hardship. So, so were they. And God says, build. He literally practically tells them, don't wait. Build. Listen to me when I say this. Your future only becomes attainable when you begin to build. Your future only becomes attainable when you begin to build. You're not going to stumble upon the plans the greater plans that God has for us. So my challenge to you today is start building now. Say with me, now. Start building now. There in Babylon is where God told him to seek the provision and increase. He tells him, build homes and live in them. And then he says, plant and eat from what it grows. He says, use, use the land. Use the land. I know, you, I, I know you're in exile. And I know technically that's not the place where you want to be, but use it. Some people, listen, they're in church, and all they do is complain about the Babylon that they live in. God says, use Babylon. Build in it. He says, pray for the welfare. Why? Because you will find your welfare in there. He says, build. Are you building this morning? I mean, are you, are you building towards something? Ask yourself. There's so many areas. Financially, is there wealth you're building towards? What do you own? What are you pursuing? How are you becoming a greater blessing in the kingdom of God? Ask yourself, have you personally seen the provision and the increase of God? When was the last time you saw the hand of God multiply something in your life? Most people will probably say, I'm not building. And most of the time, people who don't build is they're too busy complaining about life. About how good the other house looks like. How greener the grass is on the other side. 
right? <laughs> I used an illustration a while back. It's like the, grease, the, the grass is always greener on the other side, but that's because it's just in a different angle. You know, you cross the other side and your grass looks greener. You know, it's just, it's just what it is. Too busy complaining and not building. My challenge to the church early in 2024 is to start building. Is seek God's provision. Seek God's increase. Don't settle for what you have seen. Seek more from God. Build your church. Get involved. Get engaged. Build personally. Make more money. Go seek what God has for you. Build with your community. Build relationships in the kingdom of God. Fix problems. Use your troubleshooting skills. Look at it. If there's problems in relationship, well, then go fix it. The Bible says, leave your gift at the altar and go talk to your brother. Fix it. The people of God should be known as the hardest workers in the world. They should be known as the hardest workers. Those that know God has a plan. And that's why I work hard. Don't shy away from work. I want to close with these scriptures real quick. I want to examine what the Bible says about hard work. We kind of touched on this. Actually, we did touch on this in the men's discipleship. So I'm going to go through it rather quickly. Proverbs 13.4 says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. It's incredible. You should underline that, highlight it. I don't know. Take a picture, put it on your wallpaper. Something. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. In other words, you don't stumble into increase. It's the diligent that are supplied. Proverbs 14, 23, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. If we can put that in H-Town slang, <laughs> how can we say that in H-Town slang? Walk what you talk. What you saying? Walk what you preach. Don't just talk. East Coast, be about it. Be about it. East Coast will say, say less. He says, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. If you're all talk, poverty is what you will have to show. Proverbs 12, 24, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. It's an incredible text. He's saying those who, those who persevere in hard work become leaders. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. The word diligent here means perseverance and carrying out a task. It's a Hebrew word, which is Horace. See, laziness creates problems for our future. Proverbs 6, verses 6 and 8, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy fellow. Learn from their ways and be wise, for though they have no king to make them work, yet they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. It says you don't need a boss. You know you should work. You don't need to let people tell you what to do. Like, you don't, you don't have to do it. You know you should be working. Proverbs 6.10, let, let me sleep a little longer. Some of you, that's your favorite scripture. That's the, you, you quote that all the time. Let me sleep a little longer. Sure, just a little more. Verse 11, and as you sleep, poverty creeps upon you like a robber and destroys you. One attacks you in full armor. 
Proverbs 18.9, a lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. Proverbs 22.29, it says, do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. Learn something. Become skillful. Become useful. I know I said a lot. But my whole challenge here is let's commit ourselves to work hard this year. Let's work hard. I want to be celebrating our No Talent Show in 2024, worshiping into 2025 as people who worked hard. And we got to see the increase and we got to see the provision of God. Own your ministry, get involved. Become a blessing to your leaders. Carry the task. Say, you know what? I'm going to work hard to see the, God, the plans that God has for me. I'm going to build with vision. And although I don't see it right now, like this man, he couldn't see it. He said, I'm still going to build because it's right here. It's right here, beloved. It's right here. We know it. God says, I know the plans. God, if you know the plans and I know the plans, I'm, I'm, I'm working towards it. Let's build with vision. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? Every head bowed, every eye closed. In respect to God and respect to your neighbor this morning. Quickly, I just want to take this opportunity to, to create an atmosphere where we can come and just be honest with God. But we can come and just allow God to finish what he started. Maybe you're here and you're not right with God. What I mean by that is not do you know about God. It's not questioning your upbringing. It's literally the state of your heart in relationship with God. I was 18 years old when I got saved. I came into the house of God. I was a backslidden kid. I had originally given my life at 13, but went back into the world and did alcohol, uh, was drinking alcohol, was partying, can be just, just being promiscuous, turned my back completely from God. And at 18, I was confronted with the gospel in this very setting and I had to come to a decision with myself, no one else, and understand that I was not right with, with God. Doesn't matter how much I knew about him. Doesn't matter what my intentions were. If I was to die at that moment and I had to stand in front of a holy and righteous God, my heart was not right. I had things in there that needed to, get, to leave. I had things that needed to change. I remember raising my hand and coming to an altar just like this. I remember praying a simple prayer, God, I know I'm a sinner. I repent for my sins. And I remember a supernatural moment where I just felt accepted. Oh, I still had my mess. 
Oh, I still had to get up from that altar and go make some decisions. But that day I felt a weight lifted off my shoulders because I just knew I'm accepted. God loves me. And maybe you're here this morning and that's exactly what you're missing. You lived your whole life seeking all kinds of different acceptance from the world, acceptance and the workforce. And today you're just tired of living life the way it's been. And you're saying, you know what, preacher, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to surrender. And I need to change my direction and pursue him. That's you. Would you raise your hand in this place? God's dealing with you. I want to pray for you. Maybe you're backslid in a person who used to be right with God, but today you're far from him. You want to reconcile your relationship with Christ. This isn't a call to be a member of our church, although we will love you to be. This isn't a call to join a ministry. This is just a simple moment for you to just get right with your Savior. No doubt you can get right in a personal time and other settings, but why not here? Why not now? If God's dealing with you right now, why delay? Life is too short to delay things. You're backslidden, you wanna reconcile, you wanna submit. You're saying, you know what, God, I'm, I surrendered. If that's you, would you raise your hand in this place? Amen. Hallelujah. What our heads bowed and our eyes closed in respect to those that made decisions. If you lifted your hand, could you lift it up one more time? I wanna see you. I'm going to pray for you this morning. Hallelujah, I see that hand. Praise God. Man, if you raise your hand, can you stand up for me, please? Praise God. I want you to come forward. I need one else worker. God bless you. Someone comes to me pray for you. Amen. Very well. As our altar workers are there, I want to change the order of the service. I want to remain in this atmosphere. I, I, I love this moment where we can be together yet so private with God. This is why we bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to speak to the church. Church, I, I, I wanted to bring the challenge of working hard in this, in this way, in this setting. Because I think the only thing that can really motivate us to come together and remove all offenses, remove all of our differences and come together in unity and say, we're going to work hard. It's the simple fact that we have a father in heaven who loves us and he's brought us together and he has plans for us. That regardless of what you're going through right now, that regardless of how you feel at this moment, God says, I have plans. It's not only true privately, it's true as a church. He has plans. Don't ever discount the church. Don't despise small beginnings is what the book of Zechariah says, I believe. I want to encourage you today as a church, regardless of how long you've been here, what kind of member you've been, I want to encourage you to say, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to give myself fully to the kingdom of God. Let's all stand up to our feet this morning. These altars are open. I want to encourage you to come. We all come this morning. We can pray. 
and get a hold of God right here. We're going to sing out this song. But I want to encourage you that you will come and say, God, help me, enable me, God, to be of service in your kingdom, in your ministry, God, in this church. Oh, we're going to sing out this song together. By his stripes.